0: Good evening, and welcome to Malden O Two One Four Eight. I'm your host this evening, Ed Lucy, and I have as my guest Robert Knox from the DPW. Thank you for having me, Ed. Well, I appreciate you taking the time from uh, your busy schedule, and on top <laughs> of that, all the all the bad weather that come by. Uh, uh,
1: my pleasure. I look forward to coming all the
0: time. Yeah. Well, I am what I'm pressed when he first came in. He, the last time you did a show was the warm weather. Yep. And uh, he had a blue shirt on. So, I, when I uh, was talking about coming on tonight, I mentioned about blue look good on you. Good, you know. <laughs> Instead of that, he did the right thing. He had layers of clothes. <laughs> you don't wear bulky clothes, just have layers. So yeah. They could be a. A form of thermo system. Uh, Absolutely it's um, chilly out there. Yes, um, and I didn't do too good a parking job when I parked my car because I was uh, backing into the spot across the street. And then you get the snow and you get somebody behind you, and you, you, you. But I figured I wouldn't be too busy tonight anyway. And uh, so if here it crashes, like someone picked off my car as I drove by. <laughs> but, but this is um. A time of year, you know, government works in mysterious ways in some some ways in that um, depending on what kind of a position you have, it can make a big difference in how your schedule goes, your work schedule and your your work responsibilities. But certainly uh, for anybody affiliated or connected or employed by the DPW um, has to really find that uh, there's a pluses and minus. But certainly part of the job when you're working in the winter is tough.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, different times of the year, there's different situations. But obviously, in the winter, winter months, you're always um, open for those big storms and those long nights and days of, you know, um, removing snow and dealing with those kind of those kind of issues. And along with that, this time of year, usually with the frequent changes in weather, we deal with a lot of uh, water breaks and. So it's a bit it's definitely a busy time at the DPW fortunately for us this year um, so far it's uh, been a average good winter and uh, hopefully it continues.
0: Well the, the the flip side of that though is if the weather's bad you know people have expenses in December for Christmas and if you if you you're not really overpaid if you work for a position like the DPW so you do have an opportunity to get some overtime in the wintertime more than other parts of the year. That can kind of help you out after the holidays.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if you talk to some of my staff, they they're looking for the snow and uh, the and the extra hours. Um, you know, some winters it's it's a, a lot and a lot more than you know you want to do. and other winters, it's not. So it's it's yeah. tough to tough to. Count on it either way.
0: Yeah, when you get the weather forecast, um, you find them pretty accurate. With the uh, you know, you listen to it on the radio uh, if you're driving your car, or even even when they're on the like uh, six or eleven o'clock news and they start talking about snow. But as you pay attention to what's said, in some instances you realize well what the problem is not here. It's going to be up in the New Hampshire. It's going to be up in the cities around New Hampshire. that are in Massachusetts and. Uh, it, it, sometimes it 's maybe down the Cape, but you know sometimes it 's here yeah, so i I have uh, when they 're talking about
1: any kind of snow or storm or freezing rain or anything like that. We have a weather service that we use in in the city uh, weather century um, we 've been using it for for years, but I look at all the other other you know four five seven and all the news reports and try to take the as best of information as we have. Um, and come up with a game plan depending on what we know. And obviously that can subject to change on uh, a shift of the wind five miles an hour one way or another. You can get more, you can get less, you can get none. So it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's not like going to work every day at a certain time and punching out at the end of the day. Um, you know, you've you got to make the best decision on the information that you know and go with it.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I, I was listening to the forecast. There were two storms ago, I think, and... Uh they mentioned after the storm, they were talking about it on the on the television, and they showed the list of cities. And I think at that particular storm, Haver got about 11 inches of snow. We got a little bit, but, it, you know, it was inconvenient, but it wasn't anything real major. Right. Uh, and last <coughs> week when the storm was forecast, I, um, they had on the, on the late news uh, Lowell, and, and you can see the people bundle up and they get a lot of snow and and You know, we did get snow, but it really was Saturday, I think it was. Yeah. It's Sunday. But it was more sunny than Saturday. I didn't think it was that bad
1: here. Yeah, so this so each storm is different and 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 the and the thought process that goes into it. So this particular last storm that we that we had, if you wanna call it a storm, I would say we had three or four inches of snow, but you know, timing's everything. It was coming in on a Saturday night into Sunday morning. Uh, no worry of school, warming temperatures the next morning. It was going to snow, then turn the rain and warming temperatures, which help you with with the cleanup. So it's more of an inconvenience, but uh, the timing was was right for not having to come in like, say, at a, a Monday morning commute. You know, we're making a different kind of different kind of ball game, per se. But, uh, yeah, so, it's, you, you know, again, you take the information as best as you can, come up with a game plan, and in this particular case, the, the following day's weather helps out with the... Uh, with the storm. It's getting just getting through the mess while it's coming down.
0: Well, uh, the real measurement oftentimes is how much you've spent so far this year in your budget for overtime and snow related costs. Are you kind of having an average year?
1: Well, I mean, snow, the, uh, the winter budget is the one budget that you can run in the red because it's very difficult to put a number on what kind of winter you're going to have. So we start out the year with a budget of $200,000 Um, in in the budget, and, you know, uh, that doesn't... Once you fill up the barn with with salt, uh, that takes a big chunk of it. So, like, 2015, the bad year we had of winter, we spent $2 million for the year. You know last year, I think we spent about eight hundred thousand dollars so it 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 varies. I can tell you that the last little storm that we had there over the week, and I haven't got all the final numbers but with salt and labor and the contractors, I mean, you're probably around forty fifty thousand dollars on a storm like three or four inches like that um so it, yeah it, it adds up quick
0: uh, the the people that are contracted to do the plowing uh clearing the streets uh, that are not employees of the city do you pretty much have a st- a group that you know in advance are going to be available so that you can call on them as part of the the workforce if it's necessary? So we have a couple
1: of different layers of, uh, of work in the storm where we have a salting operation. Um, and if we do a full, if it's going to be a you know seven, eight, nine inch storm, we'll start out with. That it, it's roughly 32 pieces of equipment between combination of city and contractors, and then if we have to go to a full plowing operation, you could have upwards to 70, to 80 pieces really? of equipment out there. Yeah, so uh, a lot of them are uh, contractors that we've had for years, and we're always looking for new contractors. Um, they, some come and some go, and you know it's it's a uh, it's definitely a <laughs> grueling job of working the hours and. And uh, you know it's not 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 for everybody, but um, I've been doing it a long time and kind of have a system. So it's uh, it's part of the everyday DPW responsibilities that you have to be ready for. This in the winter months.
0: When when um, you get storms during the day and your, your crew has to start working really on regular regular schedule hours. Yeah. Is there a limit how many hours they can work before you ha- they have to take a break and then they could come back? I mean, if it wasn't
1: for city municipality, there there is. But for us, we kind of we kind of use our own judgment on that. Where, you know, depending on the st- how the storm's going and when it's when it it diminishes a little, we'll give the guys a break. And each, like I said, each storm is different. Um, but if if it gets to the point where it's too many consecutive hours, and I can see that the the team is fatigued, you know, once we get the main roads in good condition, passable, we would shut it down and then regroup after giving the guys some uh, rest. Yeah. which we've done in 2015 with those multiple storms. You know, you get to a point where it's safe for uh, emergency apparatus to travel throughout the city. It's not perfect, and then you have to give you have to give you know the crew some time to to sleep to rejuvenate their bodies because it does really wear on you driving around in that truck plowing hitting curbs and all night long and um so it's pretty tedious and uh, there is a point where you get to where you got to give them a give them a break yeah
0: and what's the game plan generally you start with the main streets
1: uh so it depends on again what kind of snow's coming if, if it's like a, if it's going to be a small thing like a dusting or uh, something like this last storm that we had, we knew from all the information that we, we gathered, roughly around 5 o'clock the snow was going to start. So I came up with a, a plan considering the amount of snow in the day and everything, where we started out with 12 trucks. We had two trucks on the main drag routes. One does like the east side, one does the west side, and then each ward had one truck in each ward, starting with the mains and the hills first, and then as the storm p- progressed, we then added some more, more pieces. But we try to hit the main streets and the hills first, um, and then we'll get into the courtways and some of the secondary streets. And again, depending on the amount of snow and the time of the day is how, we, we, how many we add or subtract throughout the storm. But that's how we did this one. This one here, we had a 5 o'clock start for 12, 12 of our trucks.
0: And that, of course, was a Saturday night.
1: Saturday, uh, yeah, five o'clock yeah, Saturday so,
0: night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The um, I think I, I I had this at home. I, I think I got it in the mail as a stuffer.
1: Yeah, I think it went in with the water bills. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and actually, it kind of alerts the people of their responsibility. I I do uh, you get many complaints? I notice here at the bottom it indicates that uh, if if uh, you want to a Someone for not doing what the, the city requests you to do or requires you to do, then they can call it in. Do you get many calls in on that? So
1: I, I think a lot of people, I mean,
0: people do call um, for people not shoveling
1: their sidewalk, but that isn't actually enforced by my department. It's. um, it's code compliance, right. and Chris Webb's in charge of that. But we do get calls for it, and what we do is we log them into the C-Click Fix app that we have. Every call that comes in gets a- logged into there, and then his staff handles it from there. Yeah. And a lot of people now are aware, if they're taking the time out to report uh, uh, unshoveled Sidewalk, they know they know how to put it on the app, and they know exactly how to do it, because it gives them a uh, record, and, and when someone responds to handle the issue... Whether it's with a fine or they, it's resolved, they get a receipt, kind of saying it's been uh, it's been complete.
0: Is so, it the person who complains? Yeah. So
1: if I if you if you don't shovel your sidewalk and I live next to you and I can just snap a picture of it and put in uh, thirty seven Daniel Street and uh, it goes right on the app and it will go right to Chris Webb and his staff and then he'll send someone out to see you know, what, what happened, and if it didn't happen, he'll try to educate the people. A lot of times, uh, you know, with turnover of residents, you know, it's a, uh, um, not an owner-occupied, or it's a renter, and they don't know the, the rules, even though we put it out there in many different ways online, and the, you can sign up for the alerts, the winter weather alerts, and there's many ways that we reach out to people, but... Um, so we try to educate people first, and if, you know, if they're responsive and do the right thing, it's usually a one-time deal, but then you do get the ones that just uh, you know, don't follow procedures, like anything in life, but that's, that, that's how that goes. But they do, it's a good way of reporting it as to a cyclic fix, and usually it gives us a chance to interact with the resident and give them the right information
0: on how to resolve it. Yeah, the other thing is, it's, I don't know if they still do it, but several years ago they started a program where they were having... Uh, maybe high school kids could be available to shovel people's walk. In which case, they could people could uh, have someone who should show up and be reasonably priced, and the kids would have a chance to make a little pocket money.
1: Yeah, so they have. I believe they still have it yeah. a list of a list of uh, available shovelers, and it, 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 you know it's up to the homeowner to call and work out arrangements. The city kind of puts the list up there, but we don't maintain as far as yeah. the price. It's up yeah. to up to the resident to work out it there and what they want done, if they want the driveway, the front steps, the back steps, and, yeah. and come up with a reasonable price that they, they all feel comfortable yeah. with. So they do have that shoveling list and. It's usually booked on to somebody who's available in a certain ward or a certain area, and you can call them.
0: Yeah. Now, do you get a, 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 some kind of a record? or Are you involved with the slips and falls with people that uh, maybe Um
1: We do get claims now and then. I mean, if it's an accident or something like that. Not necessarily with a slip and fall. That would go to legal, uh, yeah. excuse me, Um. What was with them, I don't get all those, all those. But if it's something where it's an, an accident, or it's something involved with one of my vehicles, or something like that, I, you know, I'll, I, depending on the situation, I would get notice of it. Uh, sometimes they do go to me, but not necessarily a, a regular slip and fall.
0: Yeah, I was thinking people maybe walking on the sidewalk. Oh. It's slippery. Yeah, and the, and yeah, Part of the reason is there's ice that wasn't shoveled. In.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot, I don't. I wouldn't get that necessarily unless it was someone slip and fell. Around a city property, yeah, and they could they would say you know it wasn't the sidewalk wasn't acceptable, but if someone slips and falls in front of someone else's house, I mean it's the homeowner's responsibility to take care of the sidewalks abutting their property. Um, so it's I don't get a
0: lot of those kind of you calls. Know, yeah, 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 the. the um the thing is, in terms of the, do you have a crew on uh, on a re- on a rotating basis, weekends, or is that just for uh, uh, people of, like, for an emergency site? Yes,
1: that's a good question. So uh, we what we have is uh, regular. Most of the guys are Monday through Friday. We have a shift that's five a.m. to one thirty p.m. There's a handful of guys that are on that shift. Then most of the, of the staff is seven thirty to four Monday through Friday. Yeah. But we do have a small crew on Sundays from 5 a.m. to 1.30 of uh, two two uh, union employees along with a supervisor. And they're there for any miscellaneous stuff, emptying the, the square trash barrels or something. So on the weekend, on a Saturday or, or after the hours at night, it, what happens if you need service, you call the DPW number. It says press zero for an emergency, and that rings to my cell phone. So I field all those calls on any of the off hours. When someone's not there, then I determine on what the uh, method of uh, what we need to do to resolve it for the for the people. Whether I have to call someone in or it's something that can wait, or um, there's all different things that people call, and what may be emergency to them may not be emergency to us or something. So it it has to be. Uh, I answer all those calls on the off hours.
0: Like an alarm
1: clock. Yeah, yeah, I. I Hear that phone in my sleep
0: <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes it's really ringing <laughs> yeah yeah it's
1: uh, you know it's I, I feel like that 's the uh, the best way to stay on top of it is yeah. uh, you know to assess the situation on what really needs to be done and and, and a lot of times people want to hear someone on the other end to give them some guidance on and may, maybe they don't even they don 't know if it 's an emergency yeah. or what they 're dealing with. Yeah. Um, a lot of time that happens with water calls or sewer calls or, you know, different things that we deal with. So sometimes you can you can hear them and, and give them some advice uh, on how to how to get to where they want to be on resolving the matter.
0: Uh, how we how do you deal with potholes that, that that are caused by the weather conditions in the winter?
1: Uh, so we can get hot mix. I get hot mix uh, every day that's not rainy or snowy that the ground's not too wet. we, we have two hot boxes one that carries four tons of mix, one that carries two tons of mix. And we're out there patching potholes every dry day that we can. Um, not on Saturday and Sundays, but Monday through Friday, the plants are open this time of the year. Um, you know, different ones, different different times. We go to aggregate and Peabody and Benevento out in North Reading area uh, to get mixed. But we, we found that you know, I'd rather use hot mix instead of the coal patch that we did years ago. It lasts a little longer, even though this time of year, it's pretty much temporary. Uh, with you know, once you drop the plow again, a lot of times those holes you're refilling them during the winter. But uh, we use hot mix, and we have two hot boxes that go out daily.
0: The the um, the rubbish uh, situation. In the city uh, uh, they had some sort of a. Uh, an announcement prior to the election it was several months before they were talking about using going to a single stream system yeah, and I I didn't quite understand why it would come up at that time, and I I only thought that I thought well maybe the way the contract is structured with the with the disposal company there was a reason why it was brought up then because maybe there was a there was a, some call, a rate adjustment or a rate increase or something, but I haven't really heard anything since then, and it didn't seem to be too well received, which is not surprising as you probably recall those blue bags and, and with some people are still an issue, which is. Fifteen years ago,
1: yeah. So uh, there was a discussion of uh, of implementing a new trash program. We're almost coming up on the ten year mark in the contract. It's a twenty year contract with a reopener clause after ten years, which means that we can we can go out to bid again after ten years, but for the same services that we have in the contract. So if we want to change and go to a single stream instead of a dual stream, or we want to go with totes instead of bags or, you know, if we want to change that contract, we um, would have to be a new contract. We can break this contract. JRM would be willing to negotiate with us. But the 10 years in, in the contract currently is to reopen it for the same services in which JRM would then have the first right to match any proposal that we did get. Um, so we have had discussion about changing to single stream and about barrels and not barrels and keeping the bags, not bags. Um, there was going to be some meetings, some on the east side, some on the west side, and definitely get the input from the residents on how they feel about it. They did have one meeting, like you mentioned, prior, um, talking a little bit about it at the senior center and explaining about what we were looking at. And I think it's still in the talking stage where there's, you know, there's some... They took back some information from that first meeting on some people's concerns, and I think there's some tweaking to the program that, you know, maybe do this or that or another way. But there will be more discussions, I'm sure, um, to try to clean up some of the issues that we have um, with it. And my biggest thing with it is the containing the recycling the loose 18-gallon bins on a windy day are, uh, are difficult. I think we've outgrown them, and I think everyone agrees with that. So we're trying to find a way to modify the contract, make it easier on the residents to, with single stream, and contain the materials so it keeps the city cleaner.
0: I was over in Medford one day in Fulton Street, and I was cutting over at the Fellsway that way, and there was a there was a rubbish truck ahead of me, and uh they were going down Fulton Street towards the Fellsway in Medford, and uh, I noticed the, the barrels were on the sidewalk towards the curb, and the truck would come along, and claws would come out, pick the barrel up, dump the barrel, put it back. It was almost like a a, a, a system. You said, Yeah, that would be hard to to, to work, but it seems to be efficient. But that would be they have a single stream in Metford, do they?
1: Yeah, so that's, and that, I, I'm not sure if they're signature now or they're duals with the two barrels, but they have that automated system where the arm picks it up. But they do have d- their, their difficulties, too, where if the barrel's behind a car or if it's, you know, blocked in where they, you know, someone, they would need someone to move it out like, so the arm could, could get it. And I can picture in Malvin how that would, wouldn't work because we have a lot of dense streets um, and, and then if you drive through Medford after trash day, you see a lot of those big, sixty-four gallon and ninety-six gallon totes that stay out there all week long, and they and they add to them. They don't bring them back in. Oh, back, oh, back oh. in. You know, so th- they, they have their share of issues over there. Too, and nothing's a, nothing's perfect, but you try to do what's best for your residents and what you have to deal with. And I think that we had some good ideas to uh, make some changes. Um, I just don't think that one would work here. And uh, they'll tell you the same thing, that as good as it works for some, it's not for everybody over there, you know.
0: Yeah, well, as you said that, I was just trying to visualize some of those streets where you have three-deckers and you have cars all over the place. I mean, of course, you can have uh, no parking on, on Wednesdays because that's rubbish day, but uh, to get the people educated, and there is a, a those houses oftentimes are non-owner occupied, so... It, it, you'd be educating people who maybe don't know, know Marlin does it that way. So I can see there'd be a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean, if
1: you look th-
0: uh, at... And even storing the ba- barrels themselves for the So
1: a perfect example is, I always think about this when we talk about the barrels, that there's some houses on Salem Street across from the Salem Wood School yeah. that have 30, 40 steps that go up to the front door to the, the property with no front yards in and so yeah. So imagine those people would have to... Lug those barrels up 30, 40 stairs at the end of the trash day to put it somewhere up and then bring it down. So it's not perfect for everybody. You know, the person that has the garage that's right by the street that can roll it out, great. Yeah. It's just uh, not every home is built like that. And each, each street, some streets are difficult for parking. So um, it would have to be accessible. And they'd have to be, if it, you didn't have the automator with the arm and they had someone on the back of the truck, it would have to be. Light enough that they could lift the the employees could lift it, easy. So there's definitely some uh, positives and negatives in in both systems. The uh,
0: the, the contract uh, that's the ten-year. Uh, Period is coming up. Um, is it an automatic uh, re- reopening, or is it just an option?
1: It's an option that the city can reopen yeah. and go out to bid. But again, it has to be for the same service that uh, services that are outlined in the existing contract. So, if we want to change what's in that contract as far as the service, it would have to be negotiated for a new contract. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. Uh, it's only if it's if you're looking for the same services.
0: Yeah. Now, would the, the contractor himself have an uh, option to reopen it? They choose to at the end of ten years.
1: At the end of ten years, we we can choose to open it, open it, and go out to bed. Yeah.
0: And can they? Ah. Uh, seek a price But th- what, no, what, what I'm thinking of is that, um, the, the, the stories that are circulating in, in recent Recycling. months. Recycling. Yeah. Well, number one, China doesn't want it. China, now, India doesn't want it either. And uh, you know, there was an article in the Globe the other day with some community that didn't cost them anything. Now it's a half a million dollar item in the budget.
1: So it doesn't cost us for the recycling in in Malden. In the contract that Mayor Howard set up in this 20-year deal, it was that um, we had a reduction in our fee in our contract price and that JRM, our hauler, would own the recycling once it hits the curb for the good or the bad. So if the market's up, you
0: know. They
1: benefit. They benefit. If the market's down like it is now, they, they own it. So... We got a reduction in our total yearly cost to the contract, and they owned it for the good of the bad. And right now, with the market, like you said, for the recycling, people are having a very difficult time getting rid of the recycling. And for us, it, it's, it's in the contract. They own it no matter what.
0: Does a lot of that go to the landfill so that they really don't export it out? Um, once they take it, once
1: it's curbside, they own it. Yeah. They, so I don't know. They, they, I, they have a plant called Greenworks where I'm sure they're separating it and trying to get us, get whatever they can get for value out of it because if not it would have to go as rubbish if it was contaminated or, or mixed or so I'm sure they they once they take it they probably try to separate it and take whatever they can for value to try to recoup some of the some of the money but right now it's not not a profitable uh business in the recycling end of it.
0: Do, do they uh, ever complain about the, the the people that get ahead of them and pick all the bottles out of the barrels and they lose out on that yeah, part we, of it? Yeah,
1: they don't complain. J.R.M. doesn't complain specifically about that, but I do get calls from residents about people going through the trash, scavenging for bottles or cans or not putting the cover back on or th- different things like that. But again, you know, once you put it, at, put it curbside, it's owned by the hauler. Um, if you don 't want them going through your bags and they learn pretty quick who 's putting out who 's putting out recyclable uh, b- bottles and cans for redemption the uh, people that go through the trash and they know that house is one where they 're going to get you know x amount of cans a week, and this house doesn 't put any out so they, they, just like anything else, they probably learn learn which ones. they have
0: a regular route yeah
1: <laughs> they do you see you see them out there I, my trash day is on Tuesdays, and yeah. I see the same gentleman out there, 5.30 in the morning, yeah. walking my street, and he, go, and he doesn't go to my house because he knows we don't put him out, yeah. out there, but my neighbor across the street, he knows he goes over and he gets a bag every week. So, um,
0: well, he, well, maybe you should get up at 5 o'clock and get the and get, and get, and get his, his get the get it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it gets
1: to that, uh, <laughs> my day starts early yeah. enough anyways. But, yeah, yeah so that's, that, that's what they do.
0: Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting sometimes, you know, we have so much talking about immigrants, but I, there was somebody on TV sometime back. A man with six children from a foreign country and limited education, c- came to America. And it, it, in its own way, it was a wonderful story because he and his wife did that, and they went to dumpsters, in commercial dumpsters. Okay. And uh, it ended up, and the point of the story was... Um, Through that, that was their job, and the the all the bottles that they were able to corral when they went out, and they had the route as you said, and they would be up at five o'clock before and whatever. Oh yeah. And the the thing that made it such a, a story was their six children all ended up college graduates in professions some of whom were uh, in the medical profession. It was really a, a kind of a story you say, gee whiz. From bottles. and they're Just from bottles. And sometimes you see those people, one well, mile of them picking up the bottles. You say, well, maybe the next generation, they're the ones that are going to be be um, operating on the on your, on your grandchildren. That's you something. never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know. Yeah, the yeah. land of
1: opportunity.
0: Yeah. The, uh, what, the other aspect of all the rubbish is, is it, is it confusing sometimes for you as a, 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 a receiver of the rubbish that people put wrong things out that they really don't qualify and they don't really realize that? Like, uh, the one typical example, let's say, like a, a pizza box. I mean, sometimes the pizza box has the cheese in it, w- in which case the cheese is on the box, the box goes in the rubbish. Con- the, really right, con- go the grease
1: there. that's contaminated, yeah. that's trash. Yeah. yeah. So the fortunate thing f- f- for us as a city um, a lot of people probably don't don't know this, but we have we have a position at the DPW, a solid waste inspector. So we have a gentleman that works for us, uh, Marlin resident, lifelong Marlin resident, Steve Prince, lives in the Linden area. That he goes out every day and he drives the trash route. He'll educate people on things that are wrong. He'll leave them notices, flyers. He he works as the liaison in between the city and the hauler, JRM, and handles all these issues. So anytime that someone puts in a stop that was a stop or, excuse me, or, uh, or a misrecycling or wh- anything, he deals with all of those trash and and. Uh, and uh, recycling questions, and he does a great job of it. So a lot of them get put on the system, and he deals with them. And a lot of it's education, and and uh, notifying the the residents on the proper way to put things out. So uh, he kudos to him. He does. He, he was a great addition to our staff, and does a good job.
0: But uh, when he tr- travels around, he must have to get out of the car and look. at Oh the- yeah. Oh, I see. Oh uh, yeah. He drives. Yeah. He drives the trash route. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: you know, a big one that we get a lot of times is multiple bulk items. Yeah. So you're allowed one bulk item per week with your with your blue bag, and sometimes he'll get to a house. I had a call today from Harvard Street where they had a bureau out there and a recliner. So that what happens is, JRM would see two pieces of of furniture. They don't take any um, because then if they take one, then you get the call saying, "Well, I put, only put one out, and you didn't take it." So yeah. so if it's a violation, they they leave it and then. Steve will leave them notification saying, "You know, that you have multiple bulk items. This is what you got to do. If you need to call me, I'll leave his business card." So um, again, with the turnover of residents and and uh, home homes that are not owner occupied, uh, sometimes I feel like people just don't don't know all the rules. Like someone like myself that's been a lifelong resident that works in the city, and like you, you know. Would know a lot of these rules, but it, it, getting the word out and, uh, and uh, educating the, the residents on the city ordinances and, and the rules is a big part of what Steve does and how we communicate with the residents on the street.
0: Well, if it were were a multi-unit house, how would you know whether one person put out the two items or there's two separate people?
1: Whether it's a one-family, two-family, three-family, there's one bulk item, not per family, per house. Oh. So if it's a two-family house... Simplifies
0: it. Yep. If
1: it's not one for each floor (laughs) or each family, um, you know, a lot of times you'll go by and someone will move out and you'll see what we call a clean-out. Yeah. And even if they don't want to take with them to their next location, they'll put it out there. So... um, you know, it's it's every day the the same thing. He comes in and drives the trash route every day, and uh, deals with those kind of issues.
0: Now, if you put if you had two items, um, there is a, a process within the city r- rules where, if for instance, if you had a, a washing machine or a dryer or a microwave or some of those other items, yep. you can pay a fee.
1: So it's called a white good. So a refrigerator, a stove, a washer, dryer, you buy a sticker. Um, at the DPW or at the treasurer's office, and it has the f- the number on there, so it might be s- sticker number 245, say, and it will give JRM's number, and you call and you say, uh, I live at 54 Davis Street, I have a refrigerator out there, and, and they put the sticker on it, and then they have a separate truck that goes around and picks up all these appliances, these white goods, per se, um, so you can, that's one way you can get rid of those kind of things, but uh, other bulk items like a sofa or a loveseat or a chair or a desk, bureau or a, bureau a, a bureau. Those are all considered like bulk items. There's no oh. paying for those. Oh, okay. Those are just one per week. Um, so it's it's just different different things hmm. with the appliances and bulk items. Hmm. The
0: uh, the the white goods that you refer to, they have a. Re- res- uh, a Value for uh, scrapping. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so well, a, lo- a, a lot of times t-
1: what we tell people is, um, if someone will come in before they buy the thing, if you know, if you want as if, say you put your the refrigerator out there or the stove out there, you know, you take the doors off the refrigerator. A lot of times, by the time you put it on the curb, somebody's picking it up and going to strip it down s- for, for scrap I metal. And we don't like tell people to do that, but but. If they do come in, a lot of times they'll be picked up before JRM can even get there to take it.
0: Well, I've seen, I've seen that in cars with people. People put up a case of empty bottles. You know, yeah. All in them, and uh, they, they'll stop. Uh, maybe they do. Maybe they get bottles for the rum. I, I was walking down the street one day, and the guy stops the car. All of a sudden, he gets out of the car, opens the trunk, takes the. and there was a case of. Uh, Bottles that lay on the sidewalk, yeah. put out early. Yeah. Put them in his trunk and off he went. So uh,
1: the old saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. treasure. So at
0: a nickel a pop. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean I've
1: I've seen d- different things, uh, you know, there's people that go out there that are looking to scrap and looking to, you know, get something that someone else isn't interested yeah. in anymore and they may find value in it. So I see different things that get picked up curbside. You know, it might be a piece of furniture or someone sees, and so you, you never know.
0: Yeah, you know well, uh, well uh, there's, there's a truck I see, in, in and I won't designate it particularly where, but it's in, let's say, a, a, a housing site, and uh, it's a pickup, and it, it's always loaded with with odds and ends, which I think he goes around and picks up, but I don't see him doing any with them. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe because they don't, they look like the same as I saw the previous weeks. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, you never know. You never, you never know.
0: we one of those handymen is waiting for someone to call and need a a pipe that leads into the sink or something. Yeah, you never, yeah. you never know. Like yeah. I
1: say, to what, what people are thinking out there.
0: The kind of things that. Uh, you sometimes get in the rubbish that don't belong in the recycle bin. Uh, now, styrofoam, there's a separate system for that, isn't it? Yes,
1: yeah, so you can take styrofoam to the DPW. Yeah, we have a container for drop-off. Styrofoam's not picked up curbside. J.R.M. does not take it curbside. Um, yeah, different different things, uh, you know, bulk plastic items, like a plastic kid's toy or something, is not taken curbside. You can take it down the DPW. We'll take it down there. So we do have drop-off down at the DPW where we have containers for recycling. That's six days a week, Monday through Friday, regular business hours, 7.30 to 4. And Saturdays, 8 to noon, you can drop off if you have something to drop off for recycling or yard waste or a Christmas tree or any of those kind of things. We have a drop-off there at the DPW.
0: And now... um you're on Commercial Street,
1: 356 Commercial Street, right across from the old Rosebud property, uh, uh, down De by Demarcos. Demarcos, yeah. De yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, now to mention that, has there been some talk in the past of moving you, relocating you?
1: Uh, yep. There's been a lot of talk of of our property, of us getting relocated and uh, kind of developing that site. And I think personally, the problem I've heard that for. The twenty almost seven years that I, yeah, this was going to be a temporary home where we were, and you know we're right there on the water, and you got the boathouse, and you know I think there's value to that site. It's you know if something could be done properly down there, but I think the biggest problem is is, you know everybody needs our services in the city, but finding a place that where you can locate you know two and a half to three acres of land for what we do um, with you know, we store materials there, and there's trash, and there's dumpsters for recycling, and there's, you know, so it's uh, not what you really want in the residential area. You've got to find a place off the beaten path. You know, I think for us, the place where we're located now is is pretty good for, for you know, away from the homes and, and stuff. So um, we're always open to it. There's been all kinds of ideas kicked around throughout the years of, of uh, locations and stuff. So... Uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Well, probably if if uh, if they found if decided to sell the property, they could be, balance the budget that year fairly easy. <laughs> where they a, would be another problem. That's it.
1: That's it. I know Medford built a new DPW yard, and don't not to the I don't know the exact number, but somewhere in the tune of a. Of a twenty million dollar project, so I don't think that the city's looking to take something on like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see. There's been different talks. I've met with different groups, and I I know the mayor was do, is doing everything that he can to try to uh, do some changes down there. Um, you know, with access to the river, and uh, well, there's a there's a, a group now that's looking at different ways to enhance the opportunity of using the river and. So uh there's a lot of a lot of balls up in the air in that and we'll see we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Uh,
0: the, the other things uh, w- l- let's say if people had paint to get rid of can they bring that down to the
1: That's one of the things that are only accepted on um, hazardous waste day which we have twice a year. Usually one is in April and one is in October where you could take it down. And Clean Harbors takes that for a fee. We're not allowed to store paint materials like that at the DPW Mm -hmm. site. So the reason why we have those hazardous uh, days uh, uh, for the paint, you can drop off other items that day, but the big thing that you can't take down there year-round is paint. Um, That has to be on those two special days that we have during the year. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now, in terms of, um, you mentioned Christmas trees. Uh, p- those trees are picked up by the city on, on, after after the holidays. So what we do is we put a week um, after Christmas
1: time, we pick a week that JRM, we pay them to, to do it, that they'll, a separate truck, just like yard waste, they'll pick up the trees that week. And then... Uh, after that week, you know, not everyone gets the message or someone misses it or someone wants to keep their tree up a little longer. You know, here or there, there will be a tree that will show up, and, you know, we, we grab it if we see it. But we do have the curbside pickup for JRM to do it for a week after Christmas. This, week, this year it was, I think, the 6th to the 10th of January. Um, so, you know, but if there is a stray one out there that shows up, we grab it.
0: And those are real trees. The real trees, yeah. yeah. But isn't it more likely that the, uh, you start to get them towards the end of December? Um, some you know. People just put them out without knowing the rules.
1: Yeah, they're like anything, like anything else. I mean, I, I, some people, you know, Christmas, Christmas night, take ev- everything down and and shut down the holiday season, and then other people will want to leave it up till after New Year's. Six so. of January yeah yeah a little Christmas, so it, it's I guess it just depends on uh how your customs are to celebrate in your household. I mean yeah. everyone, everyone's a little different. Some people are you know waiting for the holiday to get over, and some people are sad to
0: see it go, so yeah. uh, the kinds of things that people put out in the recycle bins yeah, that don't belong which are the kinds of things that you are most likely to be there
1: You can find any anything in there like wood. We've had uh, trash, dirty diapers. uh, Really? Yeah, I mean, people, people, you know, again, uh, some of it is people just trying to, I believe, avoid using another bag. Some of it, I think, is people just don't know what, is recyclable or or how to separate it. I mean, We majority of the calls that we take on a regular day down the DPW are, are trash or recycling related. People asking about how to get rid of something or what's this. Or the, the, that's a big part of the the uh, phone calls that we that we handle down there are, are, are trash related. Um, so yeah, I think it's a combination of that. Some people that do, don't want to don't want to buy the extra two dollars for the bag and they try to. Put it in the recycling, or someone else may dump something in the recycling, or oh, they just don't know what is recyclable.
0: One thing that I've noticed in recent times is that, um, and I think the city does a real, real good job, and this was in recent years, is the street cleaning. Uh, I have an occasion to be in other areas outside of Malden, and um, I almost think sometimes there's been studies where uh, they've, they've taken let 's say a, a mcdonald 's or some one of those fast food sites and yeah. one area in, the, in nearby they 've uh, scrubbed it clean, picking up all the rubbish and they tend that area tends to stay clean if you do another part, but you don 't do the other section that people invariably will just toss the stuff around and, and I think in some other communities it, it, it's a, indirectly it complicates the the, uh, the quality of life in those communities when they whether they don't have the money in the budget, or they have, you know, a lot of like a crowded areas in terms of the housing, and there's a, you got a constant flow issue with cars on the street, so they have to yeah. either do it weekends where it's a extra cost, or they don't do it at all, or they do it spasmodically. And I think it makes a big difference. My own experience looking at it from Malden, walking around.
1: So, so we do in Malden for. for um, for sweeping where we where it 's um enforced with tickets or, or notifications, you know we do until um, November, but then any time where it 's above thirty two degrees and it's there 's no snow on the ground, we continue to sweep all year long, so yeah. the, you know like a, like right now where there 's snow and ice in the gutters we 're not sweeping, but the last week there were days that we were out there sweeping those days that were close to forty degrees and no snow we 're sweeping because we feel with you know, appearance is everything, and with the recycling bins not being contained, and, and you know, all it takes is one of those to tip over and can litter an area. So we're we're very proactive on on uh, sweeping. I, I don't know any other community that sweeps as much as we do.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, Everett. Yeah, maybe and they every, do. Everett's clean. Well, I mean, that's I, my experience driving to Everett, yeah. I,
1: I'm not saying that I'm I clean, but I don't know if they sweep year-round. Yeah. Like, I know Medford has a company that comes in and sweeps twice a year. Yeah. They have one sweeper that they do, the like, the square area in the summer and the in the mornings, but and then they have a, a fall and a spring cleanup where they have a uh, company come in and sweep every street, and yeah. that's it. But we, we do it. We have a program where we, we sweep it, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it shows. Like I said, I I think in recent years as I've, I've, I've walked around. Now, is there any connection between the project sweeping and the city sweeping? Do they do their own, or does the city make themselves available for the, let's say, the
1: um, they don 't have their own sweep of the housing authority, yeah. but we sweep the, we sweep that area when we 're in the when we 're in the area so if we 're in linden we 'll run through the Linden projects or same thing with the newland projects when we 're in Ward Seven area we do Sammet street, Suffolk street, all those streets so we will go through that we feel like even though it 's the housing authority the same thing with like filling potholes and stuff, even though it 's the housing authority and they need to maintain you know the cleanliness of of their area. We do feel like that it affects all of our residents, so we'll go through there and run the sweeper.
0: Oh, so, oh, so the, you don't charge them; you just do it as an accommodation, right? We don't go in to do the
1: courtway, all their courtways, but the main streets we're yeah. we, going through there—Newland yeah. Street and Salmon yeah. Street, and all that—we'll yeah. we'll sweep those, yeah. and the courtways and, and uh, that are off of them. This yeah. is their responsibility, yeah. but we do, we do give them a uh, helping hand uh, because we feel like that, you know, everybody. Uses those streets, not just the people that live there, to cut to through. To cut through. Yeah. So, you know, we, the the appearance of how it looks is definitely important to us.
0: Well, coming off the, pro, uh, the uh, where Stewarts Village is located, it going through there, uh, is, is that a city street or is uh, that because uh, that's kind of that, poorly? Little, that's kind of
1: yeah. No, it's tough, no. Tough it's, it, it is at the end of Newland Street there by Stewarts. No, so that's not a city street. Um, it, it's. A combination of private and from the, from the owned by the uh, parking lot, whoever owns that Stewart's property. No, no, I
0: was thinking of the, the area um, you're coming on to um, Newland Street? Uh, Bowdoin Street. Coming, but, if you were cutting through, uh, uh, swinging on, instead of going on Taylor Street, you came down that street that's between uh, Taylor Street and, and the, uh, Stewart's. Alden Village. Street? Yeah.
1: All, there's a section of Alden that's like yeah. a paper street. Yeah.
0: but I
1: mean, whether it's public or private, we, again, if it's a stri- city street that our residents use, we sweep them all. Oh, in. you do, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, Any yeah. big changes coming up uh, that you um, envision for the near
1: future? Uh, nothing, nothing crazy that I would say uh, that I know of that we could, you know, th- the possibility of changing the trash program, that's still yeah. always a yeah. discussion, and, but nothing that I'm aware of that, you know,
0: but again, that's a ca- kind of a program that's unique to each community because what would work uh, in Wellesley may not have worked yeah. in Malden, and by the same token, what even w- might work in Medford wouldn't work here either.
1: Right. Every yeah. uh, every every place is different. What you what you're dealing with, yeah. what issues. I mean, we are, every city and town has their own issues that yeah. how and how they handle them. And uh, I think what may work here in Malden may not work somewhere else, and vice versa. So, um, you know. There's different contracts that different cities have for different things, and you've got to try to work through them and make changes when you can that that makes sense.
0: Yeah. One thing we touched on briefly earlier was about the, the leaves and that sort of thing. Now, th- th- For now, there's no pickup for that. When would it be done again? So April. Uh, we April. do it every other week. Every other
1: week is curbside pickup from... Usually around the first week of April all the way till the first week of December. Um, It's every other week on your trash day. And then you can always have the option of taking leaves down to the DPW yard year-round any time they were open. So if you had a couple of days that were good weather and you wanted to clean some leaves, which we did a couple of weeks ago when we had those crazy warm days, we went back into the parks and did some leaves. Um, You could drop them off uh, year-round on the yard.
0: And what do you do with them when you get them?
1: So what we do is we have a co- in the contract with JRM. Uh, they we load them. They're dumped into a pile. We load them into a thirty-yard container, and JRM hauls them out and takes them takes them out of the yard. So we get unlimited dumpster service at, at the city yard. So that's what happens. We load them up and they come and haul them out.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, things have moved along, all right. And mm. not too much snow, so the, the the snow budget hasn't been too bad so far this year. No. Yeah, no you're, you're in uh, we're coming the, to the end of january well the worst isn't behind you of course uh, um, I, um i always think back to many years before you, you were there there was a in february there was a storm and then uh, there was a second storm and of course what happens is and i told the story before in the program um what happened is the city councilors would get the calls this is way back and uh, of course now they have to show that they're trying to be concerned and they are so they call the mayor before the the city council, and uh, he was explaining that difficult when you have back-to-back storms. Oh, it's very and, difficult. And of course, uh, in those days there weren't as many cars, but the streets were just as narrow then as they are now. And. His his position finally was to the extent that, well, look, as bad as it's been, he said, um, this isn't going to happen again, and, and by the time we dig out, uh, this one will be all set. Well, three days later, it happened Another again. Another blizzard. And, it was, and literally, you you could get on a Webster Street, and there were cars there that were the snow was atop at of the roof. The people just never, never cleaned them off. No, they waited for the April for it to melt. Well, they might have done. It. They might have waited. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, you, like never could, you You're at the mercy of the weather, no matter how much planning you do. And I and I do think that sometimes maybe that was a question I can't answer. You can, you can. Measure the the, the the position that you have, or the, or the perception people have, how the, many complaints you get. If you're not getting a lot of complaints, obviously what's going on is that the people's services are being taken care of. And uh, and sometimes when they're not, it's not the, it's not the fault of the or the workers. It's the fault of the people that live in the houses.
1: Yeah. So like so perfect. That's a good example. Like 2015, we had that real bad winter. You know, dealing with one storm, depending on, you know on the size of it, there's different things. If you you know, I always use a judgment of under a foot of snow is is manageable and again it all depends on temperatures to follow and date and time of the day and all that but but you know manageable when you talk to when you talk about blizzard and you talk about over a foot of snow and then you're talking about a day or two later additional snow on top of that then you're talking about where do you put it yeah you know the, the streets get narrower and even doing the best job that you can do fighting it, it, it gets to be like that year of 2015. Uh, there's nowhere to put the snow. Yeah. It's just you know we we did we worked those five six weeks down there around the clock. I mean I ended up having to make some tough decisions on removing snow and putting snow in different parks to rem- remove it and and don't put it in
0: Salemwood. <laughs> we'll, no, no,
1: we won't put them in the
0: on it. I was going to bring them up, but we'll 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 say that for another, another time. show. <laughs> It'll be turf before we know. Uh, but no,
1: we put it. We put snow in Lincoln Commons that yeah. e- that yeah. year, fifteen. Yeah. Uh, we also filled up Devil Park yeah. with with snow. We put snow. <laughs> Behind Trafton Park, right where the dog park is, there right behind the Little Leaf field, we use that. So, di- different areas of the city, in the Housing Authority at Linden, and some of their big backyards, we put snow there. You know, we ran out of place. It was just it was a in all my years here, that was a tough with back to back amounts of snow. There's been you know, there's been times where there's been different storms that were difficult, and I can remember a few of them. 1997, we had the April Fool's storm where we had uh, almost two feet of snow. But you, the light at the end of the tunnel is, yeah, we had some difficulties dealing with it. And we, were, we were ready to plant trees and, and open a day for baseball, uh, but we knew that warmer days were coming, you yeah. know. So there's been different, different storms throughout the course of the years that we've dealt with, and, again, they're all their own... They're all their own animal in, in a way where you are got to deal with them uh, as best as you possibly can.
0: Well, then uh, on that note, we'll thank you for coming. Thank you for education. having me. I'll see it's you. It's uh, an education, and I'll, I'll wait for the next storm and see how things go. All right. Thanks all right, thanks, all right, thanks for right, having right, Robert, me. Robert. Thank you, Thank you for coming. Yeah. My pleasure. Uh, uh, just to wrap up, a couple of other things I wanted to touch base with any, uh, um, Robert Knox just Mentioned about baseball. Well, we had a situation that's in currently in flux with the, with the Red Sox, with the manager They fired the manager or he quit, maybe by mutual consent. It had to do with Stein's sign stealing, which goes back to his uh, bench coach position in Houston. That apparently went from Houston to, to Boston, and uh, it's, it's it's affected the, the coach and the general manager of the Houston. Which, were cut loose. He was resigned or whatever here. And and Carlos Beltran, who just got appointed uh, to the manager of the Mets, uh, never got to spring training because he was part of that group that was involved in it in Houston, and so he got cut loose too. And um, it's made an impact on the players, I know, because... uh, um, Cora, as a manager, had the uh, support of the people, but also he seemed to do the kinds of things that, in this day and age, it, not like the old days in baseball, where the manager and the front office dictated a lot of what goes on, the unions being the a, being a presence and the uh, the, the counts, counts amounts of money that's involved in uh, players. So, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, that's a, that's the sort of thing you don't expect to happen. And by happening, it, it, it is, has a dramatic impact and effect on on not only Al, uh, Alec's situation in Boston, but his future possibilities as managing again. And uh, it's just not what you kind of would expect from someone who was as well, like, popular uh, and uh, had a great uh, empathy with the people in Puerto Rico because one of the things he did do is when he was signed by the Red Sox, he included in a provision to, to bring supplies and, and, and aid to those people who were affected by the uh, the hurricane that occurred about the time that he made the, be the manager. So anyway, that's a a, a sad story in, in some ways, and unfortunately, it's not totally unexpected. One other uh, uh, story, uh, just to remind people, um, The Pawtucket Red Sox are going to be the Pawtucket Red Sox for one more year. And after that, they're going to be in Worcester. And I know families here in this area would treat their kids, take them down to Pawtucket. They would see a baseball game on a Saturday or a Sunday there. Price was extremely modest, not only for for the stands that you get the food from, but... The tickets themselves were extremely reasonable. Uh, parking, obviously, was not like it is in Boston. And the effect was that you could have an enjoyable day at the baseball park, and even if there wasn't Major League Baseball, it, was, it wouldn't be unusual to have Major League players who uh, rehabbing there before they were going to be called back up or maybe sometimes uh, players in transition from, from uh, majors to minors and minors to majors. So it was kind of a treat. My, my sense is what you're going to find out, even though uh, the park isn't built yet, Worcester's prices won't be like Pawtucket. And all those kinds of things that you used to uh, look forward to in terms of uh, a low-budget operation for the day when you take kids to a baseball game won't happen in Worcester. I think that um, the trend is that once you get new owners come in and uh, the family had owned the Pawtucket team for a long, long time, um, and treated it as, uh, like a family within a family, that it's going to be a business, and some of those things that you uh, took for granted in Pawtucket won't be available to you in Worcester. And my final note is, uh, by this time, this is the second day of the impeachment hearing, and um, my observation is that um, it won't change many people's opinion. Um, it's going to have some effect, perhaps, in the long run, but that uh, among the people that are making the decisions in the voting process in in Washington, whatever was voted uh, and, and voted by certain numbers, uh, both Democrats and Republicans, won't change much between now and the, the final resolve. It, it appeared that the intent was to fast-track it off out of the Senate, get it behind us, and move forward and uh the longer you work on it, the longer the hearings go on, the more likely things are going to come up as they have, even since the House of Representatives finished their work that uh, things that could be um detrimental to the president but and one of the things that make this even more difficult is that with Nixon or with Clinton with Nixon, you had the tapes, and that was the that was the the smoking gun as it were with with Clinton. He committed perjury, and he would have continued to commit perjury, except they had the dress. And uh, here, you have a lot of conversations, you have a lot of texts, you have a lot of things that are being discussed verbally and in writing, but it's not the same as it was before. So probably a lot of what did go on will end up in books years from now, but um, won't be coming out in the public domain on the current basis, and it would appear that uh, uh, whatever's going to happen, we already know the ending before we get there. So anyway, we'll see what happens in Worcester, and we'll see what happens with the Red Sox, and see what happens in Washington. And thank you for listening. I appreciate you being part of the audience, and this show will be repeated again on Saturday and Sunday, and we'll be seeing you soon again. Thank you very much.